It's Adasha Townsend of the Feast and Fashion Podcast. I'm a veteran food and beverage journalist who's worked with some of the most notable media outlets in the world. Feast and Fashion is the intersection of food and fashion, one beautiful plate or a glass at a time. With each episode, I will introduce you to fascinating, fabulous people in the culinary industry. Today, Chef Kelston Moore joins me. This military veteran learned the tricks of the culinary trade in the Navy. Kelston is best known as a date night chef, and he's here to chat about his exciting journey in the business. It all started as a child in Barbados. We're also going to talk about Kelston's mentorship program called the Bad Boys of Culinary and how he creates special moments for couples aboard the standard yacht in San Diego. Welcome to Feast and Fashion, Chef Kelston. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was, it was trying to get this work working to go together. That was. I'm glad that we actually did. Thank you. Same, same. Your story is unique. Oh. It is much different from most Black chefs in, in the country, your way into the culinary world. And so I want you to talk about that. All right. So my way into the culinary world, man, it goes back to when I was a kid. Yes, I grew up in Barbados, the country flag right here. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Barbados, and my dad I used to watch my dad make um, barbecue pigtails. So pretty much like the, the tail of a pig, and he would take it. You would buy it at the grocery store, and he would just barbecue it with his with his special barbecue sauce. And it was one of those dishes that people would just people just come like every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They would just come over, and they would play dominoes, and he would do the barbecue pigtails plus you know other things like chicken, macaroni pie, rice and peas that type of stuff. And so, you know, just watching that as a kid and, you know, being around my grandfather and my uncles, you know, they were, they had their own, you know, livestock, you know, chickens, you know, pigs, cows, and, you know, actually having to see that and, you know, go through the process of, you know, how we get it to our table. It was a good learning experience as a kid. And then once I got older, it was kind of like one of those things where my dad was always doing the cooking. My aunts would do all the cooking and I just had to pick up certain things and it just, just had to. You know? So before you even actually went to culinary school, you learned a lot of skills just from your family. Yes, ma'am. How cool is that? Now, your dad was known all over Barbados for these barbecue pigtails. Yes, he was. He was. Like, even, like, a lot of, like, every time I go back, when I went back home in 2015, uh, everybody was like, oh, you're you're Ian's son. You're Ian's son. You're the barbecue pigtails. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like, man, I haven't been back. I've only been back to Barbados one time since I left. But, you know, it's like the, the crazy thing is a lot of people still remember my dad because of the food that he used to do. Yeah, it was really having to learn that stuff, at, you know, at a young age, learning how to cook rice. Rice is one of the biggest things, the hardest things. That's probably one of the hardest things I've ever learned how to cook. Why is rice so hard? <laughs> because, like, uh, now, you know, my experience and the training that I've, that I've went through, I guess I know, like, two cups of rice to one cup of water. Yes, we know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't measure. In the islands, we don't measure. We only measure when we bake. You know, so it's kind of like, all right, I have to know, okay, well, this rice, okay, I, I put too much water in it. It's always either too much water or not enough water. And like in the islands, we eat our rice, it's fluffy rice. We like the rice fluffy, not sticky. It has to be just perfect. And it's kind of hard to explain it, but it's just like, just just thinking about it now, it's kind of like, man, like, oh, I remember those days. Like, it, I didn't learn how to cook rice actually really good until I was probably about like 15 or 16. That's still really good. Most 15-year-olds can't even make an egg. So <laughs> so that's pretty good. Well, get back to those barbecue pigtails. Do you know how to make them? 
You know what? No. <gasps> really? I used to ask my dad a lot when when I really started taking cooking seriously back in I would say about how about seven sixteen about twenty sixteen I started actually taking cooking like really serious at fifteen sixteen. Okay. And I used to call my dad and be like, "Hey, how do you make this? How do you make this?" And he would literally talk me through it. I've never really asked for the barbecue pigtails. I'm not really big big a pork eater anymore. Ah, that's it. You're not a big pork eater. Okay. Can you talk about some of the other dishes that are known, that Barbados is known for producing? One of my favorite is corned beef and rice. It's a, <laughs> it's a dish. It's pretty much, like I said, rice. We eat a lot of rice. Mm-hmm. Um, rice and it's corned beef in the can. It's like a little red can. It's, it's you just... It's really because it brings me back to like childhood, mm. you know, and the can you have to, it's like this key that comes on it and you have to mm-hmm. put it in a hole and you have to turn it. You know, sometimes it'll break off. You know, that's happened numerous times. It'll break <laughs> off and then you have to do a can opener or you'll cut yourself on the can. Like I, I don't know how many times that oh. has happened from I was from when I was a kid, but corned beef and rice, you know, another big one is cuckoo. So it's called cuckoo and it's more, it's made like a corn, like a cornmeal kind of thing. It's almost similar to like a polenta. And we serve that with salt fish, you know, with a, or flying fish. You take the flying fish and you stew it with some onions and peppers and well, what I know is stock now. What's flying fish? So flying fish, it's like this little fish that has like these wings and it doesn't actually fly. It really glides over the water. And it's really, it's really nice of you to see it. You normally see it in like most places like the Caribbean or uh, I've seen a couple in Hawaii, but you're not, you're normally going to find those in the, in the Caribbean or on the East coast. Is it um, a white fish? I don't, I, I can't, I can't honestly answer that. I've been so long since I've had it because mm-hmm. over here on the West coast, you don't really get the luxury of having stuff like that by living on the East coast. What does it taste like? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just like one of those, one of those things where it tastes like childhood. That's really what it tastes like for me, like childhood, like just either having it stewed or you having it fried, you have it in a sandwich. You know, it's just like, it's one of those flying fish is one of those flying fish and salt fish is one of those, those two main fish that we eat a lot in the islands because that's what we have there. Okay. What about vegetables? What's big in the Barbados? Vegetables, cabbage, Mm. cabbage, Mixed vegetables, carrots, but this is like, this is not like bag stuff. This is like stuff you go out back, you know, and you pull out the ground, you know, and we do a lot of, uh, so on like when we sit down, we have Sunday dinner, we used to have Sunday dinner every Sunday when I was growing up and a normal, uh, menu would be like rice and peas, you know, uh, macaroni pie, stew chicken or macaroni pie. So macaroni pie, it's like mac and cheese. You know, this is very educational for me. Yeah, to American culture, that you guys call it uh, macaroni and cheese. But what we do is we bake it. So literally, come it looks like a pie where you can actually like cut out like little squares, and it's normally served like it literally like a piece of square to just oh. sit on your plate. Oh, I've had that. Okay. Yes, and then we'll have like um, we'll have a salad, and then we'll have coleslaw. So our coleslaw is we make it with carrots. So you okay. take carrots and you shred them just like regular coleslaw, and you add like raisins and. A little mayo, um, a little bit of juice, just a little bit of sugar, salt and pepper, and that's it. Nice. And what do you drink in the Barbados? And I don't mean necessarily al- alcoholic beverages, but what are some of the cool, refreshing beverages that you drink? That's something for you. This right here, this, my, my aunt just sent me this from New York uh, when I was out there a couple weeks ago. It's called Mobby. So the ingredients here is water, cane sugar, mobby bark, spices, essence, caramel, and that's it. And what do you do with that? It looks, it'll be pretty sweet, right? 
Yes, but it also has a bitter, like a lot of like my girlfriends tried it and she had, she didn't like it. Most people don't like it if, if you never drink it, you know, or you don't know about it, but it's really has a really bitter, like a licorice taste almost. Um, you literally just add it to some water with some ice and just stir it up and then drink it. So is that like your version of Kool-Aid? I guess, yes. <laughs> you could say that. I guess you could say that. And then we also have this drink I grew up on. It's called Lucozade. Can't really compare it to anything here in America, but What's that, that called was again? L-U-C-O-Z-A-D. Okay. Lucozade. That's something that I grew up on too when I was in Barbados. Um, and that's one of the drinks I haven't had. I haven't had that since I was living in Boston when I first came to the United States. When did you come to the U.S.? 1996. How have you incorporated the food that you grew up with in Barbados into what you do now as a fine dining chef? Is there any of that in there? Um, actually, right now I'm working on a menu to where I'm trying to bring out, I'm trying to turn a lot of you know dishes from my country into fine dining. And it's really hard because we're not used to portioning. You know, we, we eat a lot of big portions and it's like when you go to a Jamaican restaurant or any Caribbean restaurant, you know, you get a lot of food. That's the hardest part for me is trying to figure out like how to take my culture and what I know and transform it into fine dining without losing the full effects of flavor. And, you know, also that fullness that we get because it's, it's comfort food. It's meant to be comfort food, you know, so I, I've been taking me a couple of years now to actually try to, you know, work it and figure out what kind of things I want to do, how to pull you know, certain thing I take away, how to add, you know, to be able to still have that comfort food effect, but also in a totally different aspect of, you know, when you think of eating certain food. Well, the food that you put out now, the I, I check out your uh, social media, particularly Instagram on a regular basis, and the food you've been cranking out is absolutely glorious. You, you're really great with seafood. I saw a, a lobster and squid ink pasta one day. And it, what was the inspiration behind that? That I just wanted to lick my phone when I saw that photo. Oh man. So I've been, it's one of those things too. Like that's, that was one of the things where like, I wasn't privy to eating lobster when I grew up, you know, lobsters, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember having lobster as a child until I got to Boston, you know, it's plentiful. <laughs> yes. And so with this, with the pasta, I really love pasta. I love Italian cuisine. So I want to try, I wanted to, and actually I, I think my pasta plating is, is not up to par. I've been working on it over and over and over, trying to get it better. And so with the curry, I'm a big curry person. I love curry. I will put curry on anything. I will eat curry because that's what I, I, that's one of the things that I loved when I grew up was curry. But, you know, knowing that there's so many different types of curry, I wanted to give the dish, that dish, like something like more of a Thai, but still kind of tying back to my roots. Because the seafood, we eat a lot of seafood in Barbados. And also with Italian cuisine, I love Italian cuisine, so I use the pasta. And then with the lobster, something that I first, I didn't really know about until I came to Boston. My dad used to have that every Sunday when I came to Boston. So I tied that into it. And also the curry effect of, you know, because I love curry. So I tried to tie all those things that I really like together into one dish. I didn't think it was going to work out, but it actually did. It really, it really shocked me how well it worked out. You, because you said some things about, oh, it's not the plate that I want, but the plating I thought was beautiful. It, it made my mouth water and that's the ambition. I mean, your plating is absolutely gorgeous. Sometimes it's so perfect and so beautiful that I'm scared. I would be afraid to eat that. If somebody put it in front of me, I just want to sit there and just 
I don't know, admire it because it's mm -hmm. so beautiful. And, it, and, and sometimes you see beautiful plates, but then they don't look very appetizing. Yours look, they look like works of art and they look very appetizing. And I'm sure that's how you became known as the date night chef. The date night chef. <laughs> so that goes back to 2019, I believe. I was living in San Antonio and I was trying to figure out a way like how to, instead of, because when I thought about going out, I was like, man, you have to find a babysitter. And I was like, man, like, you know what? And I was in culinary school at the time. So I was only in culinary school for six months. So literally all the dishes that I would learn in culinary school, I would come home and I would try them. I'd be like, all right, let me, let me do this, but let me tweak it. Right. You know? and I, I never, I never got the formal training before because I was in the military cooking and I never really understood like the five mother sauces. I never knew what a bechamel was or, you know, how to cook a duck. I didn't know how to do any of that. So once I learned it at school that day, I would literally come home and I would stop at the grocery store on my way home, buy those same ingredients and cook it in the house the same day again and tweak okay. it. But the date night came around. I set up my patio, you know, and I offered a couple of my friends at the time. I was like, hey, come through, you know, 80 bucks, you know, just come through, you know, four courses at that time. I was serving a lot of food on the plate. <laughs> I was serving a lot of food on the plate. And, you know, that's and that's where it came from. Like it was just trying to give people that that experience that you have in the restaurant, but without having to leave your home because you're not going to, you're going to have a more better experience with your partner in your home. When you, you put the kid to bed or you have a babysitter, they go over to your cousin's house or your family's house. And then you're there at the house. You can drink, you can laugh, you can do whatever you want to. And you don't have to worry about driving home or getting on your way home. You know, I'm there to set the mood for you. You know, I'm there to give you that time that you need with your, with your loved one or your spouse. And then that way, whether you're going through something with them, I want to be able to provide that that experience to where you don't really have to go from this place to this place. I gave you the experience. The mood's already set. Have a good night. How does what you do differ from the private chef experience when someone's hiring a private chef or when they want to pop the question or for an anniversary? How does what you do differ? The only thing I would say that really differs is honestly the experience. The food, I'm always going to do the food the same exact way because I have a very creative mind and my mind does not stop going, you know, mm -hmm. so... As far, I tried to tailor each experience based on the client. So, you know, I would ask them a few questions, like letting them know, like, hey, what's going on? Like, why do you, why do you want to hire me? You know, like, is there a special occasion? These type of things. That way I can understand how to better give them the experience that they're, that they're looking for. So with the anniversaries, I tend to figure out, you know, maybe a date for a song, the first song. If it's for, you know, like a proposal, I'd be like, hey, like, Okay, what's that first song that you guys listened to when you guys met? You know, where did you guys meet? That way I can tie something. If they met in, let's say, in Philadelphia, I can maybe try to come up with a dish that ties to that city where they, were, where they first met. So each experience really differs based on the client. I love it. That date night experience, I mean, that sounds like something that I would absolutely love. So talk about a couple that really stood out, something that really jumped out a date night, someone who wanted to impress their significant other with something that was just like over the top. Whew, that's, that's, that's a tough one. I will say my client, Josh and Kate Green, they, that was probably the most memorable date night for me is because they, it was, I believe it was her birthday. And that was the first time I ever did a date night on a boat before, on a yacht before. And it was kind of, it was really a big challenge because cooking on a yacht versus in someone's home is two different aspects. I don't have the same amount of equipment. I don't have the same amount of space, storage space, refrigeration space, 
the all the possible ways for something to go wrong, <laughs> you know. Like our end, it seems like the most romantic <laughs> gesture ever. You know, somebody was taking me on a date night on a yacht. I'd be like, oh my god, this is amazing. But from your perspective, it's completely different, right? Yeah. It was it was like, oh my gosh, like I literally. Like that day, I had to hit up one of my good friends, my mentor, Chef Pete, and he was. I was told him, I was like, "Hey, man, I got this dinner. It's on a yacht. Like, I need your help. Like, I need you to come and help me. Like, I need, like, I need you." And so he came and he helped me out, and he really like took over and was like, "Hey, all right, this is your menu. This is what you got, right?" And he said, "All right, cool. I got it. Take care of the client." That was that. That was like, and it was went like, off without a hitch for them. It would. For the couple, I'm sure it was perfect. They had no mm-hmm. idea you were back. You were in the back sweating, did they? <laughs> no, they did it because I was down. I was in and up downstairs, and I'm sitting here like checking on him. He was like, "Hey, I got this. Like, I got you, you know." And I'm I'm not used to. At that time, I wasn't used to not being in, I guess, in control of the aspect of the cooking, mm-hmm. and I had to really like learn how to trust, you know, for someone to help me. And that was like the most memorable day now because one, I've never did it on the boat before. Two, I had to literally not cook. I had to entertain. I had to give him the trust, you know, to be able to accomplish, you know, the the dinner for the night. And that was that was probably the most memorable one for me because I never really had like someone like do all the cooking for me while I'm and I gave them the menu and then they took care of everything. And that was that was probably the most memorable one for me. And speaking of yachts, now you're a pro when it comes to yachts because you're doing these events every weekend. So talk about that experience. And I've seen some of the photos. The views are absolutely beautiful. So talk about these uh, regular date nights on the yachts. Yeah, so um, date night on the yacht, it just it depends. But it's really, it's, it's really like it's so much talking about that first experience on the yacht the first time versus now it's like, I look back at it and I'm like, oh man, like, was I really sweating over that? Like, <laughs> so I'm um, a date night on the yacht and consists of, you know, the three or four courses and I get to have fun. I, date nights are where I get to do what I want to do. I'm just in my zone. I'm just like, I don't care about anything else. I have my earphone in and I'm just doing my thing, you know? And sometimes like I'll have, I'll have certain dishes that like, you'll see dishes on my Instagram page that they look pretty. And then, I'll try to follow that same same one next time. And I'll be like, you know what? No, let's do this this time. And it comes out even better. So it's just like date night on the yacht is actually a really good time for me to really like showcase like the style of cooking that I do, who I am, where I'm from. And it's just, it's just fun. I get to have fun. I love it. Are there any dishes that stand out to you that you've done thus far since you've been doing date night on the yacht? Ooh, I would say lobster bisque with the table side pour works every time. That that by far is one of my best dishes because it came from another, it came from actually a sauce that I was making uh, for my crab cake. And so I kind of use the same exact techniques that I make the sauce with and I made it into a lobster bisque. You know, it's probably not your traditional lobster bisque, but I feel as though like I do a lot of layering and flavors and I really want people to taste each and every layer of flavor in there. You know, so the lobster bisque, I would say is by far like the most complex dish for me because it takes time. You didn't talk about desserts. How are you at pastries? Pastries. Yeah. Pastries, that's, uh, that's not my forte. But I do have I do have a creative mind. So sometimes like with some pastries, I do a lot of simple pastries, like quick breads, you know, that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. as far as getting too deep into the pastry world, like I I, I leave that to to the to those artists, 
you know, and I do have a great collection of uh, pastry colleagues that I use, you know, for a lot of my desserts and I pretty much just make their dessert. I just add to their dessert pretty much. But yeah, I don't really, as far as the desserts, I don't really do too much. I have, I have a few desserts that I make myself. I call it a PB&J, which is pretty much, it's, it's another childhood. Like a lot of, a lot of my dishes are really like childhood. It ties something in my childhood into it. And the PB&J is pretty much a banana bread. I make a peanut butter mousse and I'm allergic to strawberries. So I don't do strawberry too much, but I do raspberry coolies and a caramelized banana on top. And that was like, for me, that was like, you know, the perfect definition of PB&J because you taste everything, but it's also making people look at it differently. Like instead of a regular peanut butter and jelly, you're having a small, like little round, you know, little dessert right in front of you. Decadent, but it's a very high end, very sophisticated PB&J, right? And it's very, it's very rich and heavy too. And that's, yeah, it's very that's it's so small. The small, I feel like the smaller the dessert, the more decadent it is. <laughs> yes, that, that is true. That is true. So tell me about the bad boys of culinary. I know you're a member of these guys. So how did that all start? Bad boys of culinary. I started with uh, Chef Quentin, Chef Quentin Austin of Louisiana Purchase here in San Diego. We had met through social media uh, about a year ago. <clears throat> and, you know, I just picked his brain a little bit learning. And then he told me about the bad boys of culinary he was starting up. And I was like, dude, let's do it. And it's pretty much, you know, Bad Boys of Culinary is a group of Black chefs promoting and helping other Black chefs, you know, trying to help. Because my biggest thing when I started in business, I didn't have, I wasn't privy to a lot of information that, you know, a lot of normal business owners have. I didn't know the difference between a sole prop or LLC. I didn't know what licenses I need to have. Uh, I didn't know how to do taxing, none of that. And I feel as though like a lot of us in the Black community, we don't get those that same level of information and training. Yeah, we're good at what we do. Yeah, we're good at, and, and, I mean, we're artists, but at the same time too, you know, it's also, I don't want to see somebody else go through the same type of, you know, struggles that I went through. So that's why, you know, we've been pushing the bad boys of culinary to be able to help other chefs and elevate them from being a foodie to a caterer, to a private chef, to an executive chef. That way we have, we have all different, you know, chefs in each, each area of, of our um, our field to be able to help those other ones that, you know, are trying to get to where we at or even to where other chefs are at. So it's sort of a mentorship program or network? Yes, I would say, yeah, mentorship program and networking is what we do because we're big on networking, you know, because if I know somebody and I, and I know there's an opportunity there, if you're showing that you want it and you're qualified to do it, then why not? I've been bringing, uh, I had a few chefs come with me um, onto the yacht as my sous chefs. And then when I couldn't make it, hey, you want to work? Let's let's work. There you go. You're, you're on the boat now. You know, and I believe in doing that because at the end of the day, like in order to get better, you have to learn how to explain yourself or explain the things that you do to the next person. Yes. So how can people find out more about this yacht date night on the yacht event? So date night on the yacht, um, you would have to contact, uh, you can go to the standard yacht on Instagram at the standard yacht or www.thestandardyacht.com and all the booking information is located on there. If you would like the chef, there's a different, there's another option to have the chef on there, which is myself and yeah, everything goes through the website. And these are only on the weekends, correct? No, these are any day you would like. Oh, okay. Do you have the yacht to yourself or are there other couples? 
No. So when you when you book the yacht, you book it for yourself. Or if you would like, uh, you can do up to party of 12. So you can have your closest friends and family members come on board. And it's you have a we're three we're a three person crew. We have uh, Chief Stu and then we have the captain and then myself. And you can choose your time to three hours, four hours or five hours on the water. Okay, before we go, we've got to talk about your sense of style. You know, uh, you're wearing your chef's coat right now. You've got your Barbados flag on there. Um, I have a feeling that your your uh, sense of style is kind of colorful. I haven't really seen you in regular clothes. I've only seen you in your chef's clothes. So I want to know, what does Kelston wear when he's out on the town? <sighs> well, I, <laughs> I used to be a flannel jeans and vans kind of guy. And then I had to... I had to really kind of switch it up here recently. I started, you know, more so of a sport coat. I love blue. I have like three different suits upstairs that are all blue. I like blue plaid shirts, you know, blue regular shirts. I'm I'm like a business casual kind of dressing now, you know, normal with jeans and, you know, sport coat. And that's pretty much my style now. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting older, so I have to change up the way I dress. Now. You are not old. <laughs> I didn't say old. I'm getting older. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Kelson, if people want to find out more about how to book you or anything else about you, where are they going to find you? They can find me at www.chefkelston.com, C-H-E-F-K as in Kelston, E-L-S-T-O-N.com, or Instagram at Chef Kelston. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, It has been such a pleasure talking to you. We have been trying to get this together for a while, so I'm so glad I was able to finally, finally sit you down and chat with you. So thank you so much for coming on Feast and Fashion. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Well, that does it for this episode. I want to thank my guest, Chef Kelston Moore, again for joining me. We're back next Friday with another outstanding, talented, and of course, stylish culinary personality you don't want to miss. Thank you so much for listening to Feast and Fashion on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. I'm your host, Adasha Townsend. Meet me back here next Friday.